Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Today, Pastor J.D. reiterates the words of the Apostle Paul regarding losing your life for the sake of Christ. If you love your life on this earth, you're holding tight to something that can't last. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you give up your life and put all your hope in Him. So, where is your hope? Don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Update as shared on July 5th, 2020. This is our weekly Bible Prophecy Update, and once again, today we have a lot to get to, so we're going to get right to it. Today, I'm going to begin a little differently and start with a question. And the question is, is there hope? And this is not really a rhetorical question as such, but before we attempt to answer this question, we need to qualify and specify what and or who it is that we're putting our hope in. You probably already know where I'm going with this, so I'll get right to the point and just say it. Our hope is not in this world. I'm going to take it further. Our hope is not in a president. I'm going to take it further. Our hope is not in this nation. I'm going to take it further. Is everybody okay with that? (laughs) What are you going to say? No. Our hope, and I'm directing this chiefly to our online church, our hope is not in Q Anon and the so-called Great Awakening. Our hope is in Jesus, and Jesus alone. The Apostle John, in his first epistle, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, said, Do not love the world, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. John's Gospel, chapter 12. Jesus speaking. Listen to this. He says, Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It was Jim Elliot, a Christian missionary, who was martyred in the Amazon rainforest, who famously said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I would submit that herein lies the problem, and I'll explain. All of us, I include myself, are prone to foolishly hang on to and hope in that which we cannot keep, namely, this world, our lives in this world, and the things of this world, which are quickly coming to an end and ultimately passing away. I'm going to make a statement that maybe at first might be a little bit difficult to wrap your mind around, but it's one that I believe with all of my heart. And it's that one of the main reasons, I believe, that God is allowing all that's happening in this world is to get us to finally let go of this world. Please know, I'm in no way suggesting that we just give up the fight, as it were. Rather, I am suggesting we fight the right fight. And by that I mean, the world is dying. You know, yesterday, Independence Day, I have to say, it was almost like a a memorial service for me. You know, my family and I would usually go to the Kailua parade, no parade this year. At night we'd make our way to the beach for the fireworks, no fireworks this year. And uh, I just um, had this sense yesterday, it was really one of the saddest, well really was the saddest, Independence Day celebrations I've I've ever uh, experienced. You'll forgive me for being such a Debbie Downer, but (laughs) 
The way up is the way down. And in a way, it's sort of a good thing. Because for me, it's a much-needed reminder that this world is passing away. And I'm not going to fight to keep it on life support. But instead, I'm going to fight. But I'm going to fight the right fight, the good fight, for eternal life. It was C.T. Studd in a poem that he wrote that to me says it best. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When Paul writes to Timothy in his first epistle, chapter 6, verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of the faith. What's that? What's that fight? What's the good fight? Oh, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of of many witnesses. That's the fight. When Paul comes to the end of his life, he would write to Timothy again, saying, past tense, I have fought the fight. I've finished the race. Again, you'll (laughs) forgive me if I seem sort of morose today, but You know what the only thing that matters is? In the end, the only thing that matters is eternity. And you ready for this? Here's what really matters, and it's the only thing that matters. It's not black lives matter. Eternal lives matter. I'm going to say it again. It's not all lives matter, black lives matter, brown lives matter. Hey, Arab lives matter. No. Eternal lives matter. And it's for this reason that we as Christians should fight. (laughs) Because we're in a battle, right? We're in a battle. We're in a war. This world is not a playground. It's a battleground. We're in the fight of our lives for eternal lives. And our fight is not against people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against four entities. Paul delineates there in Ephesians chapter 6. Principalities, high rankings in the spiritual realm. Rulers. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. And it's for the souls of man. And so we're in this fight. And we need to be all in to get as many people to Jesus as we possibly can before it's too late.
And thankfully, that time is now. The fields, already white for harvest. And all we have to do is gather the souls for eternal life. John's Gospel, chapter 4, Jesus speaking, verse 35. Do you not say, don't you have a saying? There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. That's interesting. Why? Because I grew up in a small farm town, really small. My, my graduating class of 1980, you know how many people were in my graduating class? 16, one, six. That's small, really small. And it was a farm town, and all the farmers at harvest time would actually delay school so that we as high school students could work because the harvest, getting the crops in, was so time driven that if you didn't get them in, you would lose it. When those wheat fields would get white, the heads of the wheat, it was ready. And there was just a small window of opportunity. And if weather permitted, you drove that truck, you drove that combine, and you harvested those crops while there was still time. And sometimes school would be delayed just to get the harvest in. That's the urgency with which the Savior speaks here in John's Gospel. He says, verse 36, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true. Listen, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Did you catch that? The seed's already been planted. The harvest is already white and ripe and ready. And now you have entered into that labor, that work, to reap that harvest that is ready to be harvested. One plants, one waters, one harvests. I wanted to begin this way because, once again, what the Lord has put on my heart to talk about today is very heavy, very intense, very disturbing. I'll need to proceed with the presupposition that you are aware of this global agenda. We've been talking about it for weeks now. It's already in place. 
It's moving forward very fast, by the way. And it is an agenda, a plan to test, track, and vaccinate everyone. The entire population. And furthermore, said COVID-19 vaccination with the current technology will ultimately become the mark of the beast foretold of in Revelation chapter 13. Again, we've talked at length about this. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised by this Russia Today report about Bill Gates saying the, quote, final hurdle, he's been known to say things like that, like final solution. He was corrected, actually, and he retracted it. The final hurdle to distributing a COVID-19 vaccine will be, listen to this, convincing people to take it. Quoting the report, speaking to Anderson Cooper at a CNN town hall on Thursday, Gates insisted the U.S. was experiencing a rebound in COVID-19 infections even accounting for the increase in testing, boasting that the logistics in the U.S. are not an issue at all, Gates bragged that, quote, we can get this thing out there, before acknowledging that, quote, you'll have a choice whether you take the vaccine or not. So there's that final hurdle. Still quoting, the billionaire seemed unconcerned by the, and I'm quoting, vaccine hesitancy. Hesitancy, hang on to that, I want to come back to that. The billionaire seemed unconcerned by the vaccine hesitancy factor, however, even though over a third of Americans have professed some concern over the safety of a coronavirus vaccine, citing the politicization of the issue, the rush timetable, the less than, this is interesting, the less than stellar reputation of some of the individuals involved, and other issues, Some 70 to 80 percent of the world's population, listen very carefully, will have to take the vaccine before anyone can hope, hope to live a normal life again with people taking vacations, travel, and sporting events. Gates explained, implying they had no choice. Wow, you don't say. Hmm. I have a question. 
My question is, what will happen to those who refuse? Forget hesitancy. (laughs) How about refusing? Not hesitating. What happens to those who refuse to take the vaccine? When that time comes, when they're put into that position? Well, I have an answer to that question. It's a twofold answer. First, those who are Christians, we will be raptured prior to the tribulation when this happens, and it is forced on everyone. That's the good news. Now here's the bad news. It doesn't have to be. But the bad news is, is that those who are not raptured and are left behind and refuse to take the mark of the beast and instead give their lives to Christ, they will be beheaded. Are you serious? Yeah. Listen to Revelation chapter 24, verse 4. John was told to write in chapter 1 that which he had seen, he was an eyewitness of, Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and seated at the right hand of the Father. Chapters 2 and 3, that which is now present. And then chapter 4 through the rest of the book, metatauta in the Greek, after these things. So John, write that which is past, present, and future. John writes what he's shown, and he says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. They were beheaded? Why? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the Word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's the millennial reign, the thousand year period. Isn't that interesting? So are are you telling me that those who refuse this mark, and this mark is presumably in the form of some sort of vaccination, that that will ultimately become the mark of the beast. You're telling me that those who refuse that mark, that vaccination, will be beheaded? No, I'm not telling you that. God's Word is telling you that. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. 
Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.